Hey, everybody, who's glad to be at church today? Anybody glad to be in God's house? Amen. I'm so thankful. I'm so glad to be in God's house with you today, and, and especially everybody who's online with us or on the other side of the camera with us today. We know you might be watching um, later on in the future or uh, live right now, or maybe you're at our 430 service. We want to just welcome everybody on the other side today. So come on, church, like never before, can we just put our hands together and let's, let's welcome everybody on the other side. Glad you're part of our church family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a big Sunday for us because it is the first Sunday of the month. And, and the reason that's important for us is because we, we, do, we believe in what we call the principle of the first. And, and that is that we give the first part of every, every part of our lives goes to God. So that's why yesterday was the first Saturday of the month. We had teams out in red shirts just making a difference. The first Saturday belongs to God. This past Wednesday was first Wednesday. And my, 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 what an incredible service it was. Deep worship, an incredible word from one of my good friends, Pastor Drew Frider from Salisbury, Maryland, was in the house with us bringing a word. And, and, uh, and today's the first Sunday, and so that means it's a, it's a week of first, week of first steps for some people. So for us, uh, the way you get involved at City Hope is through what we call the growth track. And a lot of times people want to know, how do I join the church? Like, how can I become a member of the church? And that happens through growth track step one. So actually, that's happening at 10 o'clock, 11.30, and then after our 4.30 service tonight as well. And so that's, that's the way you, you get involved at church is you, you just take those next steps, go to the growth track, membership is offered there, and then next week is step two. It's all about your, your gifts and passions, what God's put in your heart. So that happens on the first Sunday is step one, but st also... Uh, the, the other thing that happens on the first Sunday is water baptism, everybody. I mean, water baptism is the first step you take after you give your life to Christ. Come on. And, and some of you, uh, I think it's close to now 350 documented salvations since the beginning of this year, everybody. So that means there's some of y'all, it's time to take a next step, a first step in being water baptized. And so that's happening out in the lobby after every service that we have today. And then, uh, and then it's a first Sunday. That also means it's a tithing Sunday for us. We believe in the principle of bringing back to God 10% of what he's given to us. And, and you know what? Because all of it belongs to him anyway. Can I get a witness right there? It's all his. So we just bring it back to him. We just say, use it for your kingdom and your glory. And temper, like at least 10% of everything you give goes right back out the doors to make a difference in, in our community, in the nation, and around the world. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in the message today. But I'm thankful for you as a church that you are such a generous church. And Now, uh, this weekend's a big weekend, but how many of you know next Sunday's a big Sunday too? I'm just letting you know in case you didn't know, it's Mother's Day. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. No excuse now. I've told you, I've given you seven days notice, all right? <laughs> and I, I, know, uh, I know not everyone has a mother still. My mom went on to be with the Lord uh, several years ago in 2005 and... And so, um, but there have been special women in my life. And so Mother's Day is really just about celebrating the special, the special women in our lives. Maybe, maybe our mothers have gone on or maybe you didn't have a great example of motherhood in your life. But, um, but there are women in our lives who can be a great example in their place. Amen? So, uh, so what we've learned to do is, call, uh, is we, we've learned to just celebrate all the adult women at church on that weekend because we know there are women in walks of life who want to be moms. And so here's what I'd love for you to do. 
there was this, this little invite card sitting on your seat when you got in today. I'd love for you to take it out. And if you're a mom, what I want you to do is I want you to snap a picture of this and send it to your kids, guilt tripping them into church <laughs> next Sunday. I mean, you don't have to guilt trip them. I mean, just, just with love, just with love. Send it to them. And, and, uh, and that's the, the blue side. It says, hey, will you come to church with me on Mother's Day? And, and by the way, if... You bring somebody to church with you next weekend, you might have to go to a different service than this one. I'm just saying, uh, like, it is, it is packed out in this room today. And so uh, if you're at the 10 a.m., I would love to invite you. If you love me, if you call me your pastor, please, I would love for you to consider 8.15 as a service or 11.45. The, the great thing about both of those services is you get, from 8.15, you get to beat the crowd to lunch. All right, but at 11.45, you're coming after they've all left. And so you, you don't ever have to wait when you go to lunch. You just walk right in, all right? And so I'd love for you, in a serious note, uh, because this is the most popular service time, to, to, or at 4.30. We have a 4.30 service that happens every 4.30. And so we'd love for you to, to, um, to choose one of those that you can make that your service to make room for new people in this service because we exist for people who aren't here yet. Amen, everybody? All right. All right, so... so the pink side is for you, if you have a mom who doesn't come to church here, for you to, to say, Mom, you got to come to church with me next weekend. Come to church. And, and I promise next Sunday we're not going to teach on the end times, okay? So if you bring people to church with you next weekend, uh, we're gonna, we'll take a break from that series, okay? But we are in part four of the series, The Second Coming of Jesus, all right? So we're going to talk a lot about that today and learn about the second coming of Jesus. One thing I want you to know, is, and I, I want you to remember, is that the second coming, the, the rapture, all of the theology of the second coming of Jesus is a love story, not a horror story, okay? So you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to live in fear. And Jesus told us that in, in John chapter 14. He said, don't let your hearts be, what? Troubled. Troubled. Don't, don't worry about it. You believe in God, believe in me also. Because my father's house has many rooms. He said, I've, built, I've, I've made sure there's room for you there. I've built on a couple places for you. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? He's, he's kind of asking, would I lie to you? Would I tell you I'm going to do something and then just not do it, change my mind? He says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back. And that's what I believe is the rapture. That's, that's him coming back for his church before the second coming. We talked a couple of weeks ago about there's, that's two different things, the rapture and second coming. And so if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'm going to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And so that's, that's the good news. So if, if week one, in week one we talked about how, um, how this series is really, the, the idea of the second coming is a love story. You don't have to be afraid. And, we talk, and so that's the why. Why the second coming? And the second week was the church has left the building. We talked about the rapture. We discussed Revelation, the whole, whole book of Revelation in like 35 minutes. Gave you the six big things that happened there. Go back and watch that. That's the, that's the what's going to happen. But then last week, Pastor Caleb did an incredible job on the how do we prepare as a church. Like the seven churches that, that Jesus wrote letters to in the book of Revelation. How do I get ready for the second coming? But today we're going to talk about when. Everybody wants to know 
When is he, are we close, Pastor Ben? Are we, are we close? Do I have time to get married? Do I have, is he coming back that soon? Like, do I, do I have time to graduate high school? There's things I want to do. Are we close? And, and the way I like to say it is, is that um, to answer the question, are we in the last days, I like to say we're in our last days. When you think about it that way, we're in our last days. I mean, I'm, I'm middle-aged. I'm 40. I've got 40 to 50 years to go. Hopefully 50, all right? But it, uh, should the Lord tarry. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'm planning on Jesus coming back, but, but I don't know when he's coming back. And so here's the way I would say it. Here's what we need to do. We need to prepare like Jesus isn't coming back for 100 years, but we need to live like he's coming back any day. Are you following me? So like, go build, build your retirement account. Yes, save. Yes, send your kids to college. Yes, build the house. Yes, do all of those things that you have plans in your heart to do, but live your life in such a way that if Jesus came back today, you're going with him. Amen? All right, so that's how we ought to live our lives. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus' own teaching about the end times. And we see it in, in two scriptures, Matthew and Luke. We see Jesus teach about the end times here. And we're going to study it from, the, from Matthew's perspective, okay? So Matthew records it. If you're taking notes or, or following along in your notes, you can pull those out and go with me. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus sa uh, says that he was sitting on the Mount of Olives and, and he's been teaching them about the end times. These things are going to happen. And the disciples come to him privately. That, that, so they, they pull away and they say, Hey, Jesus, uh, tell us, when is all this end time stuff going to happen? When, when is it all going to take place? And what will be the sign of your coming? So in other words, what do we need to look for to know that the end is near? And, and uh, what's the end of the age, the signs of that? And Jesus answered, well, first thing is you need to watch out that you're not deceived. Okay, don't follow false teachings. Don't, don't let anybody deceive you because many will come in my name claiming that I'm the Messiah. They'll deceive many. Uh, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that, that you're not alarmed by those things because those things must happen. Okay, those things are going to happen, but the end is still to come. The end's not there yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes, various places. And all of these things are the beginning of birth pains. All of these things, the, the nation rising against nation, the wars, rumors of wars, the, the pestilences, the earthquakes, the famines, all of that is the beginning of birth pains. Now, here's what we know about pregnancy, okay? Every pregnancy has a due date, right? But how many of you ladies know that that due date doesn't mean a thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, gives you something to shoot for. You know when you're close, but you don't know when that baby's coming, do you? I mean, unless you've got a scheduled delivery, you don't know when the baby's coming. And by the way, there's a lot of difference between being one month pregnant and nine months pregnant. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, one month pregnant. Oh, girl, you don't, you're not even showing. Oh, you, you look so good. Nine months pregnant. I can't wait to get this baby out of me. I'm, I'm tired of carrying it been in the oven too long right you just nine months is different because of what there's birth pains I'm, I got, I'm tired right I'm, I, I got I gotta go I've, I've been carrying this thing too long there's contractions there's all of these things happening and I'm proposing to you that maybe just maybe we're in the ninth month before Jesus comes back 
maybe the end is nearer than we think. Are, are you following me? Now, we have four boys. Annalise and I have four boys. Not because we like kids. We like each other. Glory. So, here's what I'm, I'm just trying to say. You know when you're getting close to having a baby. All right, everybody? You know when that time is coming. And I'm just saying, I think, I want to submit, we're closer than we think. We're closer than we, than we may realize. And I'm, I'm hoping I can give you some evidence today that shows you that we're close to the end times. And we don't know when, but according to Jesus' analogy of birth pains, we're experiencing some of that today. We, we know we're getting close, all right? And so Jesus says it this way, about the end times, you don't, no one knows the hour. When's he coming back? Don't we know when he's coming? No. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the only the Father knows when Jesus is coming back. And so there's a lot of people who will try to tell you that, that, that they know, they'll try to convince you. Oh, I've figured it out. There's, there's, there's prophets and there's authors out there who will write books and say, we know when Jesus is coming. In the 80s, when I was growing up in church in the 80s, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back. I think he missed it. Or at least I hope he did, all right? Because uh, I thought that'd be funnier than it was. And then I think it was 89, 1989, he wrote another book called 89 Reasons. Jesus is coming back in 89. He missed it, all right? So we're still here. Jesus didn't come back, and we don't know when he's coming back. Amen, everybody? He could come back at any moment. So here's what I want to do today. I want to make a case that we could be the generation. We could be the end times church that sees Jesus rapture the church and ushers in the second coming. And, and there are some things happening in this generation that are unique to us. No other generation has ever experienced what we're experiencing today. And I just want to give you six signs of the time, six things that are happening that we see being fulfilled today. Six things from scripture being fulfilled today. If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. All right, all right. So remember, we're not we're not worried about this. We're not living in fear, but I'm giving you these six signs and I'm going to end up with the with the best one, okay? All right. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, the first sign of the time is worldwide communication technology. Now, the Bible actually doesn't use those words, so you're not going to find that, that phrase in the Scripture, but, but we, we believe that there are some things in the book of Revelation that, that have to take place, and in order for those things to take place, there has to be worldwide communication technology to make it happen. So this is unique to our generation, to us, all right? Um, if you're a note taker, jot down Revelation 11, Okay. So this is the years of the, the tribulation. The church has been raptured. We believe the church is raptured. The, the, um, the tribulation is taking place. The Antichrist um, is, is in full swing. And there are two witnesses that God sends to the tribulation period. Two witnesses that many people believe that are, are Moses and Elijah. They come down. They begin to, they begin to evangelize, tell people about what, uh, 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 the good news, the gospel, and, and they're killed by the Antichrist. And the Bible says that they lay in the streets for three and a half days. In Revelation 11, it says, for three and a half days, all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. 
So I, would ju- I just wondered, how could they stare at their bodies unless somebody's, somebody's Facebook live You know what I'm saying? Like, how could that happen unless, unless, unless they're recording it and you're watching it from your phone? Now, every other generation, they could have watched it in, in you know, video recording. It could have been, uh, you know, in the last 50, 60 years, we would have uploaded a satellite feed. But right now, you can actually see it happen through worldwide communication technologies. And it says that no one will be able, allowed to bury these guys because they're going to come back to life, all right? They're not going to stay dead. Oh, and by the way, it says, it says that they're hated so badly that, that everybody in the world sends gifts to each other when these two guys die. How would you like to be that hated, right? That people send gifts in, in honor of your death. That's no way. So it's a world. This is the first time that it could happen. It could happen now. It's unique to our generation. Let me give you a second one. This is, again, this not going to show up this way in the Bible, but the... the theology is there, the idea is there, is worldwide financial technology has to be in place in order for the end to happen. What are you talking about, Pastor Ben? Well, um, in Revelation 13, just a couple chapters later, the, mark, uh, the, the, the Antichrist is in full swing, he's in full power, and he issues a, a one-world currency. And you're not allowed to do anything without what's called the mark of the beast. And it's Revelation 13. It says that he required, the Antichrist required, everyone, great and small. All right, rich. Man, I'm not going to worry about that, Pastor Ben. I've got, I've got, I'm loaded. Rich and poor. Okay, you're in this boat too. Free and slave to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And what's this about, Pastor Ben? Well, no one is going to be allowed to buy or sell anything without receiving the mark of the beast. All right? And so uh, many theologians believe that there has to be a worldwide financial technology in place in order for this to happen, in order for the Antichrist to say no one can buy or sell without this. Now, I want you to know that this is, for years, it was, it was we were thinking about it could be, it, it might happen one day, but it is actually here. So you, we used to fear uh, chip technology, right? Where you implant a, a chip in your, in your hand or in your forehead. And, and In fact, in uh, 2017, a New York Times headline said, a Wisconsin company is implanting chips into their employees. That was 2017. But today, it's going even further than that. And there are, there's palm scanning technology. Retina scanning technology. So think about it this way. I've been traveling a, a little, a, a lot this year, and I'm, I'm going to back that off. I'm going to keep my commitments to what I have, but I'm, I'm going to back that off leading to the rest of the year. And so flying out of DFW, there are actually what's called frictionless stores in the airport. And what that means is there, there are electronic kiosks at the front of the store, and there are gates. You're not allowed in the store unless you scan the palm of your hand. And once you scan your hand, you're allowed entrance, and you can pick up whatever you want, anything you want, refreshments, and then when you leave, it charges your car. And all it is is scanning the palm of your hand. And, and you think, well, man, that's, that, yeah, but that's, that's not really advancing. Oh, no, no, it's in the DFW airport. I'm not talking about like it's, in, it's on the West Coast with all of the granola people, the fruits, nuts, and flakes, all right? It's, it's here. <laughs> 
Sorry if you're from the West Coast. We love you. Glad you're here. But I'm just saying that's in the that's in the that's in like just down the street, everybody. Like so so the technology is here. In fact, this is on the DFW Airport website that at the entrance of the Hudson nonstop and grab and fly. Customers have the option to scan the palm of their hand to create an account, and after selecting their items, the customer will automatically be charged as they exit the store. You just grab it and literally go. There's no cashier, all right? And, and it's linked to, it's, the product is actually called Amazon One. It's their product that allows you to be able to buy anything with the palm of your hand, all right? So that's happening. I'm just saying that's happening. Okay, so... Let me give you what, what um, the book of Daniel says. So Daniel is um, a, an Old Testament prophet. Uh, part of his book is it's, it's great, it's history, but then part of it's also prophecy. And in the last part of it, he has a vision of the end times. And Jesus validates his vision of the end times in Matthew. And in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, it says, The angel says to him, Keep this prophecy as a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end. Okay, till the end times, when many will rush here and there. All right, and, and one translation says they'll go to and fro. They're going to move to and fro. And that, that phrase in the Greek, or the Hebrew rather, literally means to travel. They're just going to travel. Now, this is not exactly new for us, but it's, uh, it's definitely made leaps and bounds in the last 100 years. Because 100 years ago, the furthest you could go was about 15 to 30 miles in a day on, on foot or on horseback. That's about as far as you could go. And that's why when you travel now, you'll find a town about every 30 miles because that's about as far as you could go. So you go 30 miles, you rest for the night, you're up the next day, and you're going again another 30 miles. And so when, when you think about it in those terms, like travel has come a long way now if, if it takes two hours to get to the Metroplex. That's 100 miles. Well, 100 years ago, to go 100 miles would take you three to five days. And now we can just be there in a couple of hours. If, if, I, wanted to, if I wanted to, I could go to DFW Airport today, be on a plane, and pretty much be anywhere in the world in 24 hours. Think about that, for example. So it's in the end days, in the last days, travel's going to increase. And that's, that's the... The third one, there's an increase in travel. There's an increase in, in the way we're, we're roaming about the earth. We're able to get wherever we need to be, all right? So let me give you, let me give you the, the, the number four. is Daniel in this same passage, he says people will rush here and there, but he also says knowledge will increase, all right? And so that's number four is that in the last days, there's going to be an increase in knowledge, so worldwide knowledge, they say, is it's doubling about every 12 months. Some people would say even faster than that. But there are particular or specific kinds of knowledge that are doubling every 24 hours. And when you think about where we're at in the world today with artificial intelligence, knowledge is increasing at rapid, at like rapid paces. So... Um, uh, here's an example, right? It's, it's not happening yet, but research is being done where you could have brain-to-computer or machine um, uh, links. Uh, what, what they call it is it's brain-to-computer interfaces. So you, you want to be able to communicate better with 
technology with machines, you can have an, an, an AI node implanted into your brain and it will feed you the information. You'll be able to communicate. That's, that's kind of stuff that's in works and it's not here yet, but the way we see technology going, it could be. And when we think about AI, we know that there's a great debate on it right now. I've been preparing for, uh, for this series for months and just uh, seeing articles. And, and I mean, all you have to do is just pull up the news and you'll see the constant debate about AI. A lot of experts would say we need to push back on AI until we have a better grasp of it, and, until, until we can set up some better guardrails. Here's what one expert said. He said uh, he sounds like a real egghead, just real smart, just real... Uh, that was also supposed to be funny, but... Uh, <laughs> trying to break it up a little bit. Got to, got to have some laughs in here. But he says, many researchers steeped in these issues, including myself, expect that the most likely result of building a superhumanly smart AI under anything remotely like the current circumstances is that literally everyone on earth will die. That's, that's what's going to happen. He says, not as in a maybe, possibly some remote chance, but as in that is the obvious thing that would happen. And, and that's his name there, Eliezer Yudoski. So, um, so I want to give you a little bit of peace to know that not everyone's going to die because Jesus got to come back. All right, so everybody can't die because Jesus got to come back. If everybody's gone, he can't rapture the church, right? So, so don't, again, we're not living in fear, but I'm showing this to you because that's what the experts are saying. They're saying knowledge is increasing too much. It's going too far, too fast. We don't have a handle on it. We don't have a hold on this. Elon Musk, the, one of the fathers of AI, is saying, hold your horses. Slow it down. We need to, we need to hold up on this. And I think that what if we changed our minds? What if we just kind of went counterculture for a little bit and we stopped chasing after the, the things of this world and the knowledge of this world? And what if instead we took the Bible and we said, let's fear the Lord because that's the beginning of knowledge. To know God is what I need to do in my life. To have a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing. Come on, somebody. It's, it, but, but the fools despise the wisdom and destruction. Let's go after the fear of the Lord, all right? So here's, here's number five. Number five. Um, there's going to be, in the last days, an increase in wickedness. And now I'm showing you these, these six things because it's not that they're, they're happening, but it's that they're, they're all happening now. Like, these six things are happening now. So other generations have experienced the wars, rumors of wars, plagues, and all of that. But this generation is the one that is experiencing all six of these together right now for the first time. It's an increase of wickedness. And we've seen this in our country. So let me say it this way. In the last days, the bad gets worse. The bad gets worse. Jesus said so in Matthew 24. He said, in the last days, you'll be handed over to be persecuted. Christians followers of Jesus, you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be put to death, and you will be hated. You'll be hated. Like, people are going to hate you because of Jesus. You're not going to get the promotion because of Jesus. You're not going to make the team because you have a relationship with Jesus. You're going to be called a bigot because you have a relationship with Jesus. You're going to be canceled in culture because you love Jesus. And I don't think the church is ready to be hated. I don't think the church is ready to be persecuted. 
I don't think the church is ready for what Jesus is saying is going to happen before he comes back. There's going to be an increase in wickedness. And, and I, I, I owe you an apology. Because I don't think I've done a, a great job of preparing you for end times. How to stand firm and love well in a culture that's trying to cancel you. In a culture that's trying to, trying to shut you down as a Christian. Listen, what we do as Christians is we love people well. We don't hate. We, 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 don't, we, we have truth and grace. That's what we do. But we have to stand firm on something. And that's what we stand, we stand on the word of God. And Jesus says here that, that many will turn away from him. Many people are, because they are hated, they're going to turn away from him. Because people hate them and they reject them and they cancel them, they're going to go, well, I don't know if I can do this thing. I don't, I don't know if I can live the life that Jesus is calling me to live. They're going to fall away from the faith. They'll betray each other. They'll hate each other. And false prophets will show up and deceive people. Why? Because of the increase of wickedness. Because there's an increase in wickedness, the love of, I guess, about at least 51% of Christians is going to grow cold. We've actually seen that in our culture today. Uh, the, the numbers keep decreasing. Maybe, maybe somewhere, it used to be around 25% of Americans went to church on Sunday. That number is even less now. The love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm till the end will be what? Saved. And that's what I want for us as a church. I, I, I want to help you stand firm, love well, and not bow to the culture around us. I want to help you live a life that's a, a stand-up life in a bow-down kind of world. Okay? So we see this happening. So what happens, all right? People are going to fall away from God. There's an increase of wickedness. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, hey, in the last days, here's what it's going to look like. In 2 Timothy, there will be terrible times in the last days. Everybody say terrible. terrible. Right. This word terrible is um, the same word used to describe the demoniac of Gadara. So you could deduct that what Paul is really saying is in the last days, there's going to be some demonic days. It's going to get completely out of hand. Satan's going to pull out all of his stops. He's going to do everything he can. You just need to know that. So how's it, how's it going to be terrible, Pastor Ben? How's it, how, how, terrible is, how do we know it's going to be terrible? What are the signs of it? What's it going to look like? Well, people will be lovers of themselves. Oh, now, we, we don't live in a culture like that, do we? Where people love themselves. I mean, this is the definition of Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what we do. That's what it's all about. Hey, look at me. Look at how awesome I am. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Money, 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 money. Come on. All about them Benjamins. Boastful. Proud, abusive. I know there's no teenagers here that are disobedient to their parents, but ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. This is Paul talking here. 2,000 years ago, it's going to be brutal, not lovers of the good. Hey, in the last days, it says that people will call good evil and evil good. 
That's happening. Rash, treacherous, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, it's okay. You can do it. It's all right. You just do whatever feels good. You, you, just, you just do whatever you want to do. There's no absolute truth. You, you can act however you want to. You can live however you want to live and go to heaven. Love wins. God loves. There's no standard. There is no absolute truth. So just, just do whatever feels right, whatever feels good. They're going to have a form of godliness but deny its power. Hey, church, I don't ever want us to become a church that has a form of godliness. I mean, we look good on the outside, but we have no power. We don't have the power of God living inside of us. I think we need to get back to being the kind of church that has the power of God on the inside. We live. We don't just have a form of godliness. We live it. We walk it. We have the power of God inside of us. And we're going to need this power because, because Paul says you don't need to have anything to do with these people. Have nothing to do with these people. And you go, well, Pastor Ben, how do you do that? How can you be in the world but not of it? How can you, how can you be in the world but have nothing to do with the people of the world? And, and, and listen, I'm not. You guys, you guys know if, if you come to church often, this is not a common kind of message for me. But I, I just feel real strongly we've got to have, we've got to get back to some basics. We've got to get back to there is a foundation there is what we believe in. And, and, and hey, you don't have to believe it. I'm not going to force you to believe it. But it's okay if I believe it. It's okay if I think this way. If you can think that way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand up for what I, I believe in. If, if it's okay for you to stand up for what you believe in. I, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to build this life that God's called me to build. And so it's hard, it's hard to have nothing to do with it when, when we live in it. Okay? And so... Let's talk about that for a minute because we, I think if we were honest with ourselves, we would admit that America is in decay. And I'm thankful that we live in a country where I can stand here and say that because we support missions in, in places that don't have that opportunity. They'd be arrested to speak that way against their, their country. And I, I, I'm not trying to prophesy, I'm not trying to speak ill will, but I'm just saying based on what I've seen. Um, from missiologist reports, from, from sociologists, from global church leaders, from conferences and speakers, authors. America is in what's called late decadence. Late decadence just simply means, decadence simply means um, it's the state of decay, especially in regards to moral decay. You become morally corrupt and self-indulgent. And that's the society we live in, morally decayed, self-indulgent. And I think it's important for you to know that what many missiologists and sociologists believe, what they agree upon, many of them would say that there's not a country in the history, there's not a nation in the history of world civilization that has ever recovered from decadence. And if we could just let that sink in. In 5,000 years of history, they've all rotted. And I think it's important for us to know that's where we are. I, I believe that's where we are. How did we get here, Pastor Ben? The disintegration of a nuclear family. Amen. Sexual immorality. Gender confusion. 
We, we talk out of both sides of our mouths in this nation where we, where, where we fight for women's rights, but in the, on the other side we say we don't even know what a woman is. Like, like, well, you, you're getting political, brother. No, I'm getting biblical. I, I stand on the word. I stand on biblical truth. And so, so I'm, I'm just giving it to you today. I'm giving it to you a little bit straight, okay? So how did we get here? Sexual immorality. Did you know that America is the number one exporter of pornography in the world? In the world. And if you knew how pornography began in this, in this nation, it would make you sick to your stomach. How it started. Um, it's, it's what happened yesterday. No respect for life. Eight people dead. No respect for life. Killing of the unborn. Murders in the streets. It's just, there's no respect for that. And, and I just, we, we live in utter decay. And I've got to hurry. I've, I've got, I'm, I'm behind. So I, I don't want to keep you. All right. There's a, um, uh, Sheikh Rajid, the founder of Dubai, was once asked about his, his, his country. And he said, um, they, they wanted to know, what's the future of where you live? And he said, my grandfather rode a camel. My father rode a camel. I ride a Mercedes. My son rides a Land Rover. And my grandson is going to ride a Land Rover. But my great-grandson is going to have to ride a camel again. What do you mean? He says, hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. And weak men create difficult times. Many will not understand it, but you have to raise warriors, not parasites. You add to that the historical reality that all the great empires, the Persians, Trojans, Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, and later and, and, uh, the British, they all rose and perished within a 240-year window. They were not conquered externally, but they rotted from within. All right? And America, by the way, is 247 years old. We're in late decadence. And I just, I'm, I'm not trying to prophesy bad. I'm just trying to say America's not on a good pace. We're not on a healthy pace, and we, we have to turn. We have to get back to some roots. We have to get back to the right things. And so I've given you some, some pretty tough things to swallow this morning, some, some, some thoughts about, you know, some, some big things, some signs of the times, but uh, you might be thinking, I need something good, Pastor Ben. Give me some good news, all right? Uh, like, that's gloom and doom. Tell me something good. Just tell, tell me something good. All right. Here's the good news, everybody. That in the end times, Jesus says the gospel will be preached. That's the best news of the day. There's a revival coming. The revival's already here. I was with a, a couple thousand pastors last week in ARC in Birmingham, Alabama at the ARC conference. And I'm hearing reports over and over and over again that the same thing that's happening here is happening across America. It's taking place all across America. The first drops of revival are happening and the gospel is being preached. Jesus said that in the last days, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. As a testimony to all nations. Now, this all nations is not referring to 100, the 193 geographical nations. It's referring to, it's, it's the word ethnos in Greek. It's referring to ethnicities. And there are over 17,000 ethnic groups in the world. 
there are still 7,400 that are yet to be reached. Okay, Jesus is saying, the gospel is going to go to every ethnicity, and then I'm coming back. And then the end will come. So there's 7,400 ethnic groups that don't have the gospel. They don't have the word of God. They don't have a pastor. They don't have a missionary. They don't have the Bible in their translation. There's 7,000 languages across the world. And right now there are still 3,589 translations that need to be provided. 3,589 languages do not have the Bible in their language. And I want you to know that part of every dollar you give... Every time you tithe, every time you write that check, every time you give online, you text, every time part of that dollar goes to translate the Bible in the 1040 window so that people can know Jesus, so that we can get the gospel in their hands. That's you making that happen. The gospel is being being preached. And and there's no generation that has experienced a rapid growth like the gospel except this generation. The gospel has spread quicker in this generation than any other generation in, the, in world history. In, in 1970, there were 1.6 billion Christians on planet Earth. In 2020, there were 2.6 billion Christians. What is that? It's a spreading of the gospel. The gospel is being preached, and you're part of that. It's making a difference. Lives are being changed. Oh, by the way, because of your generosity this year, through our missions efforts in Uganda and and, uh, Cuba and Mexico and Guatemala and church planting across the United States, 1,211 people have said yes to Jesus Christ through what you, through the missions efforts of this church. We're just helping make it happen. So let me give you, let me give you the, the, the what I want you to do, okay? All of that was what I want you to know. The gospel's being preached, revival's happening. But here's what we need to do. In Acts, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. And it says that they gathered around him, the disciples gathered around him. Lord, are you, are you, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? Are, are you going to do everything you've been talking about now? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know. When's Jesus coming back? I don't know. He said, that's up to the Father. I, it's not for you to know the, the the times or the dates that the Father has set by His authority? I don't know. He says, Here what, here's what you need to do. is you, you need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. When He comes on, you receive the power of God. And then I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Go, be my witnesses. Go, fill up the houses of God. Go, share the good news of what Jesus has done for people. So here's what I want you to do. All right, number one, follow God, not culture. All right, follow God. Culture is saying, bow down to this, do this, live this way, act this way, think this way. We're going to follow God, not culture. We've made up our minds. We're going to live a stand-up life in a bow-down world. We're going to have the attitude of Daniel in the season that we're in right now. We're not going to bow to the idols around us. We're going to follow God, not the culture. Even though they might hate us, even though they might persecute us, even though they'll cancel us, we're following God, not culture. All right? Second, receive the Holy Spirit. All right? In order for you to follow God and not bow down to the culture, you have to be filled up with the Spirit of God because that's not something you can do in your own power. You need to receive the the, the fruit of the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work on you and produce in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. Let Him work inside of you. Let Him produce the fruit of the Spirit inside of you so that then, number three, you can be 
his witnesses. Go out, make a difference. Go out, change the world. When, when you walk into your workplace, you're his witness. When you walk onto the ball field, you're his witness. When you walk down the schools, the, the school hallways, you're his witness. All right, and he didn't call you to be—he uh, didn't call you to be a, a, an attorney. He not, did not call you to be a prosecutor. He called you to be the witness. He called you to tell your side of the story. Hey, I don't—I can't—I can't speak for everybody, but let me tell you what God's done in my life. See, he called—he called you to share your faith. And what a witness does is it, is it doesn't tell people how bad they are. It tells them how good God is. It tells them what. Hey, this is what God's done in my life. And this is what I want for us as a church, that we would be filled with his spirit. We would be his witnesses in our city, in our nation, and around the world. And by the way, this is why we need missionaries like never before, worldwide. Like, like we need witnesses like never before. America used to be the number one sending nation of missions. Right now, we are, we are at a deficit. We need about somewhere between 200 and 4,000 missionaries to, to be raised up in America to keep on pace with the world. We lost, we lost the truth of suffering for the gospel. And, and that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now. I just feel like maybe somebody here, you're called into missions and you know it and you've lived your life trying to run from that and now it's time to just follow God's call for your life, okay? All right, would you bow your heads with me today? Lord, we love you. Oh God, we just thank you that we get to be part of the end times church. We get to be part of this, Lord. There's so much going on. There's these signs of the times that are all happening right now. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be concerned because we're your people. But Lord, I, I know I've, I, I feel like there's maybe some people here today who are living in fear. They're living in worry and anxiety of the last days. God, I pray right now that you'd touch their hearts, that you'd speak to their hearts today. Let them know you and love you today them come into a relationship with you today and with your heads bowed if you're here and and you you could you can't say with all honesty that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ you can't say that you have a surrendered life with Jesus maybe maybe you're here today and you'd say pastor Ben I'm scared I'm afraid so you don't have to be afraid but if you are afraid that might be an indicator that you don't have a healthy relationship with Jesus and if you're here today and and that's you you're you want to step into a new life with Jesus you want to receive what he did for you want you want to receive forgiveness of your sins cleansing a washing away of all of your sins and and be made right with God if you're here today and that's you on the count of three I want you to just slip up your hand and I'm gonna lead you in a prayer I won't embarrass you I won't single you out. I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer if that's you one two three I'll slip up your hand and say, that's me. I see you. One. Anybody else? Two, three, four. Who else would say five? Anybody else? Six, seven, eight, nine. Anybody else? I'm going all in today. I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm proud of every one of you. Every one of you. All right, hands down. And let's pray this prayer together as a church. Let's pray for every hand that was raised. They said, Jesus, I give you my life. I repent, I turn from my sin, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Will you forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, help me to live for you? I need your Holy Spirit living inside of me, giving me the power 
to live the way you've called me to live. From this day forward, I will serve you and live for you the best that I know how. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.